would you do if you had $8 billion? How many of you say, whatever I wanted? <laughs> That's what I do. Uh, really interesting. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. That's Chuck Sweeney. Uh, in 1960, uh, Chuck and another guy started a, a little, a little com- a company called Duty Free Shopping. And they opened up at airports and uh, really became a hit. Uh, by 20 years later, he was a billionaire. Interesting, though, even as the company took off and he began to do really, really well, he lived very frugally, making a decision early in his life that he didn't just want to accumulate money or have a whole lot of nice stuff. He wanted to make a difference. So in uh, 1980s, he made this very strategic decision with his life. He wanted to die broke. But he had to give away $8 billion. So he started a philanthropy company that he would work through so that he could do all of his giving anonymously and no one would, would know that it was him. And for the last 40 years, he has systematically been giving money to causes all around the world that he believed in, everything from education to, to health care. And he, he watched as, as, as he was just had a chance to uh, in, invest in things that needed, really needed a lot of help. Two years ago in September of 2020, that foundation that he had started, the Atlantic Philanthropy Foundation, actually for the last time he, he signed the papers that officially closed it down because he had given all $8 billion away. And even though he amassed this incredible fortune, he and his wife, now at 91 years of age, he and his wife live in a small apartment in San Francisco. You see, for Chuck Sweeney, it wasn't about being rich. It wasn't about uh, having the, the best of the best or having the biggest or, or, or any of that. For Chuck, it was about wanting to make a difference in life. Don't miss this. He wanted his life to matter. Do you? You know, you get one shot at this life. Now, probably most of us in this room won't have $8 billion to dole out, even though that would be nice. Um, but we do have this life, this amount of time, and whatever it is God does give to us in the way of gifts and resources. So what are you going to do with that? I love the old saying that says, your life is God's gift to you. What you do with that life is your gift To God, when it's all said and done, will your life have made a difference? Will it have mattered? Well, that's what I want to talk about in this series. Today, I want to to launch a series that we're going to take a look at the life of Moses. And and I want to use Moses' life as an opportunity to, to share with you some of the thoughts that God has about you and some of the ways that God really does want to work in you and through you. Are you ready? Let's jump into it. Um, If you want to take your sermon outline out, you're welcome to. Uh, We didn't have room to put the scripture on there, the whole passage, so I'm going to read that to you. We'll throw it up on the screen, and uh, you can track along. If you like to take notes, you can do that. By the way, there are Bibles in front of you in the pews, uh, both English and Spanish. Uh, If you need a Bible, feel free to take one of those home. If you know somebody needs a Bible, feel free to take it as a gift to them. Those are our gift to you as well. I want you to look at uh, when Moses was born, Exodus chapter 2. Now, if you remember the storyline, 
In chapter 1, you, you find that the Israelite population is really growing. They are having babies everywhere. And the, the king of Egypt uh, gets concerned because he feels like these guys are going to come up and they're going to develop this army that are going to overwhelm them. And so he decides that he's going to start killing off all the baby boys. And so now the families are scrambling to protect their kids from the king of Egypt. And here's what happens. It says, about this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. And when the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. And so the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. How many of you mothers would have loved to got paid to be a mom? <laughs> I thought that was so cool. And so the woman took the baby home and she nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to the Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her own son. And the princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Now, there are several things that I want to I say to you this morning um, from this text and, and about what was happening and God working in Moses' life. And I really hope that as I talk through this, that you'll really open your heart and mind to, to the things that God wants to say to you, because I think there are some, some keys in here that really we build our entire lives upon. You ready? Here we go. Here's the first thought I want to give you. You are wonderfully and uniquely created by the hand of God. You are wonderfully and uniquely created by the hand of God. Of God. Did you see in this story, could you read between the lines? Could you see the hand of God involved in all of this? Well, what you need to know is just as God was involved in Moses' life, he's involved in yours. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. And, and no matter what anyone has told you, you really are a, a part of what God is doing here on earth. Uh, I love the passage of scripture from Psalm 139. Look at how the psalmist frames it. Read it out loud with me. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Turn to the person you're sitting beside and just go, you're marvelous. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I love how you said that. You're marvelous. Yes, absolutely marvelous. Because that's what God thinks of you. Now, this is so important because we live in a culture that, that doesn't really value life the way that God does. And you really are precious to him. Look at what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 1.5. Read it out loud. 
Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Just think this thought with me. Before you were even aware of who God was, he already knew you. Before your mother even actually gave birth to you, God already knew who you were and had his hand on your life. There are a few things that God says to us about life that I think are really important. I put them on your outline. One is, you are valuable. You are valuable. We live in a culture that doesn't value life. You've seen that. We live in a culture that easily disposes of lives that aren't wanted. And yet God says that you are precious to him. I love the passage of scripture that I gave you there from, from Isaiah 62.3 where the, the Isaiah describes it and he said, you know what, you're like, a, you're like this jewel in the hand of God. You're like this precious diamond that he has. You are valuable to him. God thinks that you are precious. God thinks that you are priceless. Look at me. God thinks you are worth dying for. That's how valuable you are to the Lord. And it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done with your life. You're valuable to him. Secondly, some of you are going to have a hard time imagining this, but you are a part of God's plan. You're a part of God's plan. You see, not only are you precious and priceless in and of yourself, but do you understand that you really do fit in to the tapestry of God? You know, I was just talking the other day with, with some folks about th this idea that, you know, each and every one of us play an important part in what God is up to here on earth. And that's what this series is going to be all about, helping you really understand that. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul does this really great job uh, of describing the church like a body. And he says, you know, every one of us have, have a different role. We, we ha we, we're like a different part of the body. And he goes, you know, you may be an eye or you may be an ear. And the eye can't say to the ear, you're not really a part of the body because you're not an eye. And the ear can't say to the nose, you know, you're not a part of the body because you're not an ear. Every single part is important. Now, this is a concept that I've discovered that most people have a really hard time wrapping their minds around. Because a lot of us maybe grew up in places where we weren't that valued, where we were, were told that we weren't all of that useful. Useful, and we have a hard time believing that we really are useful to God or that we're a part of his plan. But Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. They're plans for good, not for evil. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And every once in a while, people say, Pastor Steve, you know, I may be, I may be a part of the body of Christ, man, but I'm just a toenail on the body of Christ. You ever tear off a toenail? <laughs> yeah, What happens? The whole body suffers. And whatever part God has for you, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later, it's an important part, more important than you know. And can I give you a third thought? You are loved. You are loved. I talked about this a, a good bit in last week and as I wrapped up my series on Psalm 23. But if I could have you just walk out of here one day, if I could have you turn this camera off when you're, when you're done watching online, if I could just give you one thought today, it would be this. God loves you more than you will ever be able to imagine. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where your life has been. God will never, ever stop loving you. His love 
he describes it as an everlasting love. His love is an unfailing love. You know, I, I, I talk to people all the time that they're, they're at a place in life, they, they just, you know, pastor, I, I just, I just want to be loved. I just want to be loved. Look at me. I promise you this. There is no one who will love you more unconditionally or who will love you longer than better than the Lord our God. And until you understand and know and embrace his love, you'll never really understand what love is because as the scriptures teach us, God is love. Amen? Amen. Let me give you a second piece. You know, when I was reading this story, something hit me. Maybe it's because I'm married to a therapist. But something, something hit me that I, I never really thought about before, and, it, and it's this. God works even in the traumatic circumstances of our life. God works even in the traumatic circumstances of our life. I mean, think, think about what happened to Moses for just a moment. I mean, here he is. He, he's born at a time where they were killing baby boys. And so his life was at risk. I mean, even as a baby, he had to sense the tension that was going on around him as his, as his mother was trying to keep him hidden, as she was trying to keep him quiet when, when the Egyptians were walking by. You know, he, you, know you, can, you can just imagine all that he was around. And then finally, remember what happened to him? His mom realized, if I keep him here, he's going to die. I don't, I don't know what's going to go on. So his mom ends up putting him, putting him in a basket. Now, again, you got to think this out with me. She had no idea what was going to happen to him. You get this, don't you? She had no idea Pharaoh's daughter was going to see him and, and take him in. She, she's, not, you know, she's not psychic. She, she doesn't know any of this. What she knows is if she keeps him, he's going to die. And so she puts him in this basket and she gives him up. Now, some of you, I know, have gone through this in your own life. Some of you were given up for adoption. Some of you, your, your parents couldn't keep you or they chose not to keep you. And I promise you, there are a lot of us who, who have had to walk through some of the trauma of those kinds of experiences. There are some of us who our parents kept us and we look back and wish they hadn't. You know, they, they weren't good. They, they were people who were, who were mean or they were people who were abusive. And, and, people, and, and, and yet what you need to know is that in all of that trauma, in all of those circumstances, our God is at work. And even for what you've been through, some of what you may regard as some of the most painful stuff in your life, believe it or not, God works in it, and God works through it. He did in Moses, and he will in you. you say, Pastor Steve, what do you mean? Well, a couple of things. He protects us in ways that we may not know. You know, one of the things that's interesting in in the story in Exodus is if you go back to Exodus chapter one, I mentioned this at the beginning, you, you find that you know, the king is killing these babies. And so they have these two midwives who are helping these, these, Egypt, or these Israelite women give birth. And God put his hand upon these two midwives and they were getting to these mothers and delivering the babies and getting them out of there before the Egyptians could come and kill them. And, 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 and you see that, again, before Moses was even born, God was already protecting him in ways that he would only know looking back. Same is true for you. Uh, you know, again, and through the years of, of talking with, with people who have been through, particularly been through abuse, it's, it's really hard to understand. And one of the questions we often ask is, where is God in all of this? 
And sometimes in the, midst, in the midst of the emotional trauma and pain, it's really hard to see. But it's so amazing to me how many times I've sat with people who, looking back on what they've been through, they could see God was protecting me. No, I, I had to go through some stuff, but you know what? God brought some people into my life who watched over me. God provided this door or this opportunity. In the midst of all that was going on around me, God protected me in ways that I just couldn't see. He does. He provides for us in ways that we may not know or see. He provides for us. Uh, again, in the story, I, what I think is, is wild is, you know, Moses' mother didn't really know what to do, so she puts him in his, this basket, puts him out in the water, and, and lo and behold, what happens? You know, God directs this Pharaoh's daughter to come, and she has her maid get, her, get him out of the water, and she goes, you know, he felt bad for him. I feel sorry for him. I'm, I mean, she knew, had to know what the, what the law was, that he was supposed to die, but instead of following that, I'd like to take him in. And then who's watching? Moses' sister. And what she knew, she goes, I know a woman who can nurse him for you. And so in the midst of this traumatic, unbelievable, horrible situation, in many ways, God works to have Moses being brought back to his own mother to nurse him and wean him. That's an awesome God, gang. That's an awesome God. And another piece in this is that God redeems in ways that we can't begin to imagine. You know, I wonder how it hit Moses along the way sometime growing up in the palace when he realized my mother got rid of me. And yet he had no idea that growing up in the palace that God was going to take this situation. And he was actually, some years later, going to bring Moses back with God's hand upon him to do things that Moses would have never even dreamed of. You know, sometimes when, when we think of God working, it's not too hard for us to think about how God works through the good things of our life, how he works through our talent or, or how he works through our gifts. But I think one of the more painful and more difficult understanding is how God works through our brokenness, how God works through our trauma. You know, for all of our Celebrate Recovery folks, you know, I, I've sat in so many sessions in Celebrate Recovery where Someone sharing their story of how their life was totally trashed and how they thought their life was over. And yet God wonderfully, graciously redeems for good what the enemy meant for evil. Because he is an amazing God. Amen. He's an amazing God. I, I love the passage in, in Genesis 50 when Joseph is reflecting back on his life. Joseph uh, was a, a, a boy that was sold into slavery by his brothers. He ended up in prison. He went through a really, really hard life, but God never took his hand off of him. And, Mo, and Joseph ends up number two in Egypt uh, many hundreds of years before Moses was ever around. And, and God put him in this position to save his people and do something incredible. Now, it, one, it, it ends up with Joseph's brothers being before him, and Joseph had the opportunity now to, to wreak vengeance on his brothers or, to, or to, to really hurt them or kill them or do whatever he wanted to do with them. But Joseph sees through all that he had been through that God's hand had never left him. And I love what he says in Genesis 50, verse 20. Joseph says, read it with me, church. You meant to hurt me, but God turned your evil into good. It was to save the lives of many people, and it is being done. 
I have a, a cousin that gets my daily devotional. And a week ago, I wrote just a kind of a tribute to teachers and a blessing upon them. And it was really interesting. She wrote me an email and thanked me for that. And she said, you know what's amazing is she grew up in, a, in, a, in a, an abusive home. She grew up with a very violent uh, father and a, and a lot of trauma. And she said, you know, Steve, what's amazing to me is how God uses that experience that I had that was stuff I would never want to live for, live through again, and never would want to wish on anybody. But how God has used that to make my heart empathetic and helpful to the parents and families that I deal with. And she talked about a, a mother uh, that she was dealing with from a kid in her class and whose ex-husband also had to be there and how violent he was and how harsh he was. And she said, you know, God gave me an opportunity to minister to this mother because I knew exactly what she was going through. What's God doing? God is redeeming that past for present good. Does that make sense to you? I, I know that there are some of us who wouldn't wish what we've been through on anybody. And I'm not saying that what happened to you was what God wanted to happen to you to, to use it. What I'm saying is this. Our God is so powerful that he will work even in the traumatic stuff of our life and he will turn it around for good. He'll never leave you. Amen? Amen. Let me give you another thought that hit me when I was reading this, and that is that God designed you for plans and purposes that are much bigger than you know. God has designed you for plans and purposes that are much bigger than you know. Do you think when Moses was growing up, he had any idea how God was going to use him? I mean, can you imagine being a boy of eight, nine years old, somebody come up alongside, oh, yeah, you're Moses. You're the one that God's going to come back and set all these people free. I mean, it, 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 that, that, that idea never showed up on his radar. And it hit me. It never shows up on ours. It, it never occurs to us that maybe God is up to something that's bigger than we are. But he is. God wants to do amazing things through us. This is what, what God does. And, and sometimes, again, I think we think that it's only the, the super talented or it's only the super gifted or, or, or those kinds of things that people use. And it's not. Each and every one of us, God has created as a useful tool in his hand. Look at the passage of Scripture from Ephesians 2. Look at what Paul says. Read it with me. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Look at me. You're a masterpiece, gang. That's what these shirts are all about. It's reminding you you're a masterpiece. I, I put this as I was working and writing things in my notes. I wrote this down, and I, I wanted you to hear this. You may be the direct answer to somebody's prayer. Let that sink in for a second. You may be the direct answer to somebody's prayer. You know, what hit me when I was, when I was camping on this passage was the realization that just a, a chapter from now, in chapter 3, when, when Moses encounters God, God's going to say, you know what, Moses? I've heard the cries of my people. I've seen their oppression, and I'm sending you back to help him. Don't miss this. In other words, all that Moses was going through and about to do was going to be an answer to the prayers of those people who were crying out for God's help. I just wonder, 
Just think this thought with me. I just wonder how many people we might encounter along the way who have been asking God for, to bring them someone who might listen to them or talk to them or express love to them. I wonder how many times God might want to use us as a direct answer to somebody's prayer. Are you open to that? This was really cool. Some of you may have seen this last week, but I just thought this was an incredible story. Does anybody know what the most recorded gospel song of all time is? Who, who said that? How do you know that? You read it in the paper last week? <laughs> yeah. Everybody know that song? Come on, sing it with me. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. Come on. To a home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. Come on, sing the chorus. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away in the morning when I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. All right, give yourselves a hand. You did good. You did good. You know, I read that in the paper last Sunday. Wanda pointed the story out to me, and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. How many of you, that would have never showed up on your radar screen? I mean, I would have thought, you know, Amazing Grace or all that. Yeah, throw that picture up on the screen. That's Albert Brumley. Uh, Albert's the guy who wrote that song. Uh, he grew up in a little town on, in eastern Oklahoma, almost at the Arkansas border, and he was the son of a sharecropper. Um, had a heart for music, found out about the Hartford School in Hartford, Arkansas, walked 26 miles to the school, walked. Uh, got, ended up getting a job working for the Hartford Music Company back in the, in, in the 1920s. And as a part of working for this company, uh, he had to write a song a month. Um, they finally published uh, I'll Fly Away. He wrote it in 1929. They finally published it in 1932. So that makes the song, as now, 90 years old. When Albert died in the 70s, um, that song had been recorded by almost 1,000 different artists, if you can imagine that. Today, it's been recorded by over 12,000 different artists. Uh, big names, even like, you know, like Elvis and Alan Jackson and you know, some of those people who, who have recorded that. And I'm reading this story, and what's funny is Albert never thought that song was a big deal. In fact, in the article, when he was interviewed for it some years later, that, did he ever think that it was gonna, you know, he said no. He goes, you know what, I wrote that song. He said, I started thinking about flying away when I was working in the cotton field. He goes, I'm out there working, doing this hard labor. And he goes, man, I don't want to be here. I want to fly away. And he goes, that's kind of when it came to me, man. I, don't we all want, one day want to fly away from this world? And he goes, he referred to it. He said, that little, that little ditty that I wrote, that little, that little ditty that I wrote became the largest selling song. I mean, the, the most recorded song, gospel song of all time. I, I, just, I just want you to get this. He didn't set out to write a great song. He just set out to allow his gifts and talents to be used by God. And God took a little ditty and touched millions and millions of lives. Now, I don't know what you think God is up to in your life, but this is much I can promise you. He is up to much more. 
than you're imagining because he is a big and amazing God. Amen? You better believe it. But I know what some of you are saying. Some of you are saying, well, Pastor Steve, that may, that may have been true. You know, maybe, maybe when I was born, God did want to do something big. You know, maybe when I was born, God did want to use me, but, you know, I haven't lived a, a really, a very good life. I, I haven't been a God follower. I've, I've, I've done a lot of stuff that I should have never done. I've been in places I should have never been in, and I, I, I've not been really a very good person. Here's the cool piece. God provided for your salvation before you even knew you needed to be saved. Before you ever got lost, God made a way for you to come home. Amen. There's a great story uh, in the news last week. Uh, throw that picture up on the screen for me. That guy's name is, is Ivan. Uh, Ivan lives in Greece. He was on vacation and at the beach and playing out in the waves, um, as people do. Got a little further out than he should have, and there was a really strong current, and it just carried him out to sea. And nobody saw him. Uh, they just recognized at some point that he was missing. As he got further and further away, he, he really thought his, his life was over. And uh, he ended up, darkness came. They ended up not finding. He ended up being in the water for 18 hours. Now you think, well, how in the world can somebody swim for 18 hours? Well, he didn't. He swam as long as he could, and then something happened. Throw that next picture up. This little ball came floating along. Out there in the middle of the wide open sea, this little rubber ball comes floating by, and he, he grabbed hold of it, and he held on to it, and it was just big enough to keep his head and shoulders out of the water until the next day when the helicopters spotted him and lifted him out of the water. Really funny, because they were showing this on television in Greece. They were showing this, this guy who had been rescued, and they were showing the picture of this ball. The woman calls the, the, the television station and said, I can't believe this. She goes, that ball belongs to my two boys. She goes, my two boys, who are 10 and 6, were playing with that ball by, down on the beach where we live when it got in the water. That ball went in the water 80 miles and 11 days earlier. And just happened to come floating by just at the time Ivan needed it. Don't miss this. Long before you ever needed God, he'd already made provision for you. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how deep you think you've sunk or how far from shore you think you've gotten. God's long arm of grace reaches right to where you are. Look at the passage of Scripture from Romans 5, verse 6. Read it with me. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Before you knew you needed God, he was already making a way for you. That's why I put this statement on your outline. God knows you 
and he chose you. Now here's your challenge today. Now choose him. Amen. Choose him. I've asked Rachel to uh, lead us in old Tommy Walker song. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. It says, he knows my name. And God knows your name. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. And a couple of thoughts I would give you this morning, you know, just a way of leaning into the Lord. One, if you're one of those who have slipped away from God, if your life has taken you where God's not really a part of the picture or he's not the theme that you're living for, today, if you are aware, you need God. This morning, I just invite you to open your heart to him. The Bible says when we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God will not only forgive you for your past, if you'll invite him in, he, he will come and his spirit will live in you and you can live a different life. That's what Paul meant when he said, you know, those of us who are in Christ, we're brand new creations. The old is gone and behold, all things become new. Before you knew you needed him, God was already running to meet you today. The second thing I would say to you, there, there are some of you that you've not really leaned into the plans and purposes that God has. And, and I'm not telling you that God's gonna show you all of that right now, but here's what I wanna, I wanna ask you. Would you open your heart and say, Lord, use me. Pastor Steve was saying that you have a plan for my life, that you have purposes for my life. I don't wanna miss that. I don't wanna get to the end of my life and realize that I've just lived. I want to have invested my life in the things that you have. Would you make that your prayer? And for some of you, I, I know you're walking through difficult times and you just need the presence and power of the Lord. And, that, and that's okay. He knows who you are. He knows where you're at. And this morning, I would just invite you to say, Lord, would you draw near? I need your power and your presence in my life right here. This morning, we're going to sing that song. The altars are open. If you want to come and pray, you feel free to do that. You can lean into God right where you are. After we've sung this song through, I just want to pray a prayer and just ask God to meet us here. Before you chose him, God chose you. Our Father, as we come before you today, Lord, how grateful we are that that we do have a God who chose us long before we ever even thought to choose him. Father, I thank you for how you have stood there waiting for so many of us with your open arms of grace. And Lord, sometimes we take a, a long time to get to where we need to be to, to come home to you. But Father, for every person, that that's their story today. Today they know they're out there and they're drowning, Lord, and they need you. Today, Lord, would you just grab hold of them with your arms of grace and would you just let them know that long before they ever even thought to ask you for forgiveness, you were already open. Lord, you already sent your son to not only cleanse their past, but to give them a promising future. Father, I pray today for those of us who, who we need to know that you're up to something in our lives. We need to know that who we are and what we have is enough. God, I pray you'll put your hand on our shoulders, that you would remind us that you have plans and purposes that we couldn't even imagine, and, and that our spirits would just begin to become open to what you want to do in us and, and through us. Father, there are some others today I know that they are walking through troubling times. And they need your presence and they need your power. 
They need to know that they matter to you. And so, Lord, I pray for them that you would draw near, that you would remind them that you are close to the brokenhearted, that you will be their comforter, that you will be their strength, that you will be their peace. Hold their heads up, Father. Let them know that you are still a God who is stronger than their storms. Lord, we love you today. And Father, my prayer is as we take this journey through this series, that you would remind us that life is a precious, precious gift. It is your gift to us. Help us to give it back to you in a way that truly matters. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen.